Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you again for this beautiful day, God. Thank you so much for just all your blessings, God. You are so good to us, God. I just want to pray, a, God, just a special prayer for Donnie and his family, God, with what they're going through with the loss of his son. God, I just I can't imagine, God, but I just pray an extra measure of grace, God, your peace. God, I just pray you'd be with them through this valley. And I just pray, God, that uh, you would be glorified in it, God, and that uh, Donnie would be encouraged uh, and he would have peace, God. And uh, again, just pray for him right now, God. Uh, Lord, as we uh, consider the last 12 weeks and we look over uh, marriages and relationships and what we've talked about, God, I pray that, number one, more than anything, God, that you've been glorified. I pray that your church, your people have been built up. And God, I pray these would be lessons and be times where we could look back and we would be encouraged and we would remember, God, remember first and foremost, God, that you're faithful. Second thing, God, we remember is that you're in control. God, we are not. As much as we desperately gra uh, grab things with our little hands, God, we are not in control. So, God, I pray, Lord, we'd understand that you are in control and that, God, you have plans. And, God, help us, Lord, to seek those out and to work. Uh, God, as we talked tonight about a legacy, God, I pray, Lord, we'd uh, look at what we're doing right now, uh, the things we're doing in our life, who we're doing uh, things with in our life. God, who are we investing in? Who are we speaking life into? Who are we hanging out with? And, God, realize that's part of our legacy. That's part of what's going to happen. Uh, most of us aren't going to have a, a hall in New York named after us, God, but it's going to be the relationships that we formed and worked on and lived with here that's going to last to the next generation and the generation after that. So, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would be glorified. I pray that we would uh, speak together, speak your words, God, and I pray that more than anything, God, uh, that you would be glorified in all that's said and all that's done. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's get right to the scripture tonight. Uh, as I consider legacy, I started reading something, and it really don't have anything to do with the legacy, but it really... Y'all have read the scriptures and it just really kicked you in areas where we don't talk about most of the time? It is rough. So I want to read this to y'all and hopefully it has the same effect. No, I want to read it. <laughs> wanting us to understand. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 and then the last two of the chapter here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. I want to make sure that I wrote this down right. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as, some, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome, overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you be able to bear it. And I'm going to skip down to... Verses 31 and 32. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. When I read this passage, one verse really jumped out at me in verse number 12. It says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So where I want to start off tonight when talking about a legacy is take heed. Guard yourself. Protect yourself. Look at the example of what was given in the Old Testament where they all went out in the wilderness and what happened? A great many of them perished. Why? Because they didn't take heed what God was doing. Are we taking heed of what God's doing right now? Are we guarding ourselves? Are we protecting what we're doing? Can we leave a legacy if we're not taking heed and guarding what we're doing, protecting it? No, you cannot. Are we living? Are we doing the right things? Are we following the examples of what God's given us? Are we just living? Far too often, if we're not careful in life, what will happen? We'll put it in autopilot and we'll flow. And you'll look back and go, what happened to that month, year, decade? Take heed, folks, take heed. The people, the legacy that's going on is your gift to the generation behind you. What are they going to remember about you? Not what's on your tombstone. What are they going to remember about what you did? Your children, people around you. So let's flip real quick like over to Malachi. As the pastor was going through this the other night, I, he went up and I read a couple more verses above it, and I thought that's some good words for us as well. Malachi chapter 2. We'll look at verses 14 and 16 real quick like. And it just talks about marriage here, which I didn't even really, hadn't really paid that much attention. Most of the time you get down to chapter 3 and some different places. But in here, Malachi 2, verses 14 and 16, uh, Malachi speaks about marriage here. He says, Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Interesting. Don't deal treacherously with the wife of your youth, because God has what in plan for you? He wants to make sure that we have godly offspring. Is that just your children that you have? No. No, that's not that. Are we taking heed, and are we making sure that we're having godly offspring because that's what God has put us here for? Is that the purpose? What, what's the, why are we here? Well, as men, men and women here, we're f- to reflect His glory, but we have another task, right? What's our other task? To be fruitful and multiply. And as we be fruitful and multiply, what's that other word that comes in there? We're to have dominion, right? We're to be extending the kingdom of God everywhere versus sitting back and saying, oh, come here where we're at. No, we're supposed to be extending the kingdom of God everywhere and having godly offspring with all the relationships that we have. So I want to quote, do a quote for you real quick, Locke, and then I, I don't have a whole lot here tonight because I think we've, I don't want to say beat it to death, but I think we've did a whole lot of going on over the last 12 weeks. I got a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer I thought was pretty interesting. Marriage is more than your love for each other. Oh, I love her. That's why we're getting married. No, no, that's, that, that will not sustain you. Marriage is more than your love for each other. Marriage has a higher dignity and power. Why? It's God's holy institution through which God wishes to preserve humanity until the end of time. In your love, this narrow little thing, you see only each other in the world. It's not what God says. In marriage, you're a link in the chain of generations that God, for the sake of His glory, 
allows to rise and fade away and calls into his kingdom. Folks, it's not about you. It's not about your little kingdom. You are a link in a great chain that we can look all the way back through. We look in the scriptures and you can see starting in Genesis, we see a scarlet thread, correct? All the way through to Revelation, which is later on. We're in this link. You go read in, about the, the champions of faith and all this. stuff. We're in this same thing. Are we living like that? Telemarketers. Mm-hmm. Trying to get me off task. Can't get it up. So, your marriage is not just about you and your spouse. Your marriage is a link in the chain of generations because that's what God's called you to do. Not only are you to be a, leave a legacy to your physical family, but you should be leaving a legacy to your spiritual family. So you should be using your gifts, your talents, your abilities, not for yourself, but for the kingdom of God to raise others up to walk and follow God. Principle here, the legacy you received is not as important as the legacy you leave. Oftentimes, what do we say? Well, my mom and dad didn't take me to church. Boo-hoo! Get up and come. Just because somebody before you didn't do it, guess what? That don't mean you have to be the same way. Change it. My dad never went to church. He never took me to church. So I have an out, right? I don't have to bring my kids to church. No. As for me and my house, what are we going to do? We're going to follow the Lord. My dad's not going to be responsible for what happens with my children. Who is? I am. My, my dad's not going to be responsible for my wife. Who is? I am. It's up to us. It doesn't matter what we, we were given. It matters what we do with what we got. The legacy you leave is determined by the influence you have on your physical and spiritual descendants. So, ask a question. What do y'all think of when you hear the term legacy? The past, okay. Anybody else? Okay. Have y'all ever been in New York City? I haven't either. I drove there once. There's some places up there, and there's one called, I think it's Carnegie Hall. Do y'all know who that's named for? Andrew Carnegie. What did he do? <laughs> do what? He did die. <laughs> uh, he did die, and they, he, he invested some money, and they built a What about Rockefeller Center or whatever, right? So all these people have what you would call a legacy because there's a building named after them. That one day, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to buy it and change the name of it, right? That's what happens. Is that the kind of legacy we want to leave? No. no. We want to live a spiritual legacy. So how do we live, leave a spiritual legacy? Well, it makes an eternal difference. Something that makes an eternal yes, difference. It's, it's the difference Carnegie made is, is temporal. Mm-hmm. No matter how long it lasts here on earth, it's temporal. Right. And if you go and read his life, you know, he, he did this, some, a lot of charitable events towards the end of his life. Most of them guys do. You can look at people in our time that see, does that. But if you look at how he lived his life before that, it's pretty rough. Then with some cutthroat businesses back in the day. So when we think of legacy, oftentimes we're thinking of, you know, something where we see, if you think about basketball, and you'd say, who's the greatest that had the, who would you say? Michael Jordan, thank you. If anyone said LeBron, I was going to ask you to leave. You know, <laughs> so the legacy he has with that, but even that changes from generation to generation, right? Our spiritual legacy, it doesn't change from generation to generation. It carries on over and over and over. Three scriptures real quick like, and then I'm going to be done tonight. I promise. Well, maybe. Just depends. Matthew chapter 28. I always want us to read real quick like a couple of things about our spiritual legacy. Matthew chapter 28. And yes, I'm going to go to verse 18. 
Here is part of our spiritual legacy and part of the link in the chain that we are where God's put us. It says, and Jesus, and, Jesus, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One word you can trace through there is all, always. All the, why? Because it's going to apply forever. That's part of our spiritual legacy should be wrapped up in this verse. You want to know, some people say, what should I do with my life? All authority has been given to Christ. He's telling you to do what? Go and make disciples. Well, I'm not sure if I want to go to college or not. Go and make disciples. I'm not sure if I want to go in the workplace. Go and make disciples. I'm not sure if I want to stay at home. Go and make disciples. Where? Everywhere that you go. You know one of the greatest things about the world we live in today? Do you almost need to go to the nations? If you go, like I said, if, I, I know one time we went to Mount Rushmore. The nations are there, right? There's every, they're all around. All we have to do is what? All we have to do is go. Tell them, right? All authority has been given. Are we concerned about whether or not it's going to work or not? It's not your, you don't do the work anyway. It's a work of God. All you do is go and tell. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You want another part of your spiritual legacy? What you've learned, you must tell the generation behind you. If we fail to do that, why do we complain about the generation behind us? Well, they don't know how to do anything. It's because we haven't told them. I hate so much when I hear people fussing at young people. And I think, no, can I find their parents? Can I, can I, can I get a hold of their parents? That's where the problem is. Now, maybe they don't listen as well. There's lots of things that can go on. But our job is to do what? We must be able to teach others about what we've been told. Make sure it's been told from this, not been told out of context. We want to make sure that we're doing that, right? Why? It's part of our spiritual legacy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm sure you all know probably what verses we're going to go through. Chapter 6. We're going to go verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be where? In your mind. In your brain. No, they should be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. What does it mean to do something diligently? Regularly, consistently, disciplined, diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That means you're supposed to wear a Jesus fish on your neck right there. No. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So the word should be where? Everywhere in your life. Is that our foremost thing when we get up in the morning? That we're going to teach someone the precepts, the principles, the promises of God. That's a legacy, folks. That's the legacy that counts. 
I laid some papers over there. Y'all can get them. I didn't mean to pass them out. I've been busy. It's uh, 10 ideas to help your marriage last a lifetime, and then five essentials in leaving your legacy that will outlive you. Just a little, I think I made 20 copies. Y'all are welcome to look through those. Not going to go through them. That's not my purpose tonight. But y'all can take them away and read them afterwards. I want to read one last uh, passage of Scripture. And then, uh, and it's a long passage of Scripture, I'll warn you. But uh, that's where we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. And then I'm, I promise I, I might be done by then. So, Romans chapter 12. One of my favorite chapters in the Scriptures. Paul is speaking here. He says, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. I'm going to say that one more time, folks. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having them then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. What are we supposed to do with gifts? Use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Lastly, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This chapter right here, if we can live that out, we've done a pretty good legacy. That applies with who we are, with who God is, and with who we are with our fellow man. I would encourage you, that's a good chapter to read a couple times a week. It's a good chapter to read. Help us to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. As I finish up, I'm going to tell you one more time. Hang in there. Whatever you're going through, it'll be different tomorrow. If you want something to last, this legacy, we've got to learn to endure. Final offer I want to give y'all. Last one. Won't ever give it again. If you need something, if you want to get to know people better, ask. If you would love to take me and my wife out to dinner, we would love to go with you. We love to eat. We love to hang out. 
we'd love to get to know people better. You know why? Because when you know people better and you're going through something in life, you're more apt to ask for help. Y'all are more apt to ask for help versus we go into church and we say what? Hello, brother. Hello, sister. And we go on our little wooden way and then we wonder why we don't have relationships. It's because we're not putting ourselves out there. If you want friends, you need to show yourself to be friendly, not just in church, right? So, again, you don't have to, but, you know, we need to, we need to do things together because we need each other. I love to hear, I know we did this with a lot of the young people that come over, they all talked about, how'd you get saved? I love to hear testimonies. You know why? There's not one that's a cookie cutter that looks the same. Why? Because God made us uniquely, he shaped us uniquely, and he uses us uniquely. And it's encouraging to hear that. Okay? I'm going to pray and we'll go to our small group. We've got plenty of time tonight. Yes, ma'am. Men do not think of things like women think of things, but yes, Kathy, yes. Women may not see or think of things as a man would see it. Mm -hmm. So uh, always be honest and open with your spouse in any and everything, Mm -hmm. but um, guard guard yourself and guard your marriage. Mm -hmm. No person gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to go ruin my my marriage and ruin my, my, my family. Nobody gets up and does that. But they make an innocent decision, and then that's a path. And if you're not careful, that path, go to the book of Proverbs and go, there's a way that seems right to a man. And I don't think it ever leads you anywhere good. I think it's mentioned four times. Death, destruction, devastation. I don't know. It's a lot of D's in there. None of them are good ones, right? Make sure, again, thank you for bringing that up. Don't just guard your heart. Guard your relationship. Invest in your relationship. Like I said, we're having this marriage conference this weekend. Once a year is a minimum, you should do something just you and your wife. That's Actually, that's way too long with time. I'm giving you a minimum. You should do something on a regular basis. Just the two of you. Guess what them kids need to figure out? They ain't number one. And if you treat them like number one, you know what they'll do? They'll take all that you got. They need to understand they have a place. There's a hierarchy, right? In the scriptures, you have what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a hierarchy. In a relationship, there's a hierarchy, right? And the kids come down here, not up here. And that's hopefully we're going to talk about. We're going to do a parenting class in the fall is my goal. Actually, Eric's going to do a parenting class in the fall, I think. But that's the goal. Why? Because we need to know that. We live in a world right now where children are the boss. Actually, we live in a world, no offense, ladies, but ladies are the boss. And that's not the way God intended it. And you see the fallout, the repercussions through our society. It's really bad. Anybody else got anything they want to share before I pray? Lord, thank you again for all your blessings, God. Thank you for a legacy that you've left, God. I'm so thankful for all that you've done in my life, God. So many examples that I've had over uh, my life, God, of uh, 
men who follow you, God, uh, men and women in their marriages, Lord, how they've raised their kids. God, there's so many examples that I have to follow. And so, God, I'm thankful for that godly legacy that was passed down, not just from my parents, but from other people that we went to church with and that we were neighbors with and just people that are around us, God. Uh, again, if that's what we're looking for, that's what we'll see. And so, God, I pray for each relationship that's here. God, I pray, number one, first and foremost, that our marriage and the marriages in this room will glorify you. God, it would be something where the world would look at it and go, how are y'all still going through that right now? And we'd be able to stop and we'd be able to say, it's because of what God's done, not because of what we've done, but it's because of what you've done. And God, I pray for the issues that every marriage has. God, I'm sure today there might have been words spoken. There's attitudes. There's different things. There's misunderstandings. And God, I just pray, Lord, that uh, we would understand what the scriptures say. And God, tonight before we uh, get ready for bed, we'd work those things out. God, we wouldn't uh, just continue to hold grudges. We wouldn't continue to build walls. As Kathy said, God, we really need to have an open and honest dialogue about the smallest, minutest things with our spouses. I pray, Lord, for those who aren't married in this room. I pray, God, as they consider what marriage is, I pray they would look at what the scriptures say, and God, they would take it serious. God, they would take time. They would consider. They would, uh, God, understand the responsibilities that come with that relationship. And I pray, God, that when they're ready, God, they'd have studied, they'd have shown themselves approved, and that, God, you would have that right person at the right time and the right place for them. God, help marriage not to be the ultimate goal that we have at. God, help sanctification be the ultimate goal we have. And God, you place marriage, you place children, and you place things in that path as we seek to glorify you and make disciples of all the nations. Lord, as we go into our small group time, I pray it'd be a time where we would speak, we'd have a chance to be intimate. God, we'd have a chance to share with other people. I pray we'd have listening ears. God, hearts of compassion. And I pray more than anything, God, that you would be glorified, relationships would be built, and ultimately your name would be above every name in this room. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.